Section zero of Gray's Anatomy, Part one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Laurie Ann Walden. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part one, by Henry Gray. Preface to the twentieth edition. Since the publication of the first English edition of this work in 1858, and the first American edition in 1859, great advances in the subject of anatomy have been made, especially in microscopic anatomy and the anatomy of the embryo. This knowledge was embodied from time to time in the successive editions until finally considerable portions of the text, sometimes sections, were devoted to these subjects. However, the main text has always remained primarily a descriptive anatomy of the human body. In the present edition, the special sections on embryology and histology have been distributed among the subjects under which they naturally belong. New matter on physiological anatomy, laws of bone architecture, the mechanics and variations of muscles have been added, occupying much of the space formerly devoted to the sections on applied anatomy. The sections on the ductless glands and the nervous system have been largely rewritten. In the latter, a more rational presentation of the sympathetic nervous system has been achieved through the use of diagrams and descriptions based on physiological and pharmacological work. The central connections of the spinal and cranial nerves are also emphasized. Illustrations have been added wherever important points could be made more clear, and throughout the work colored pictures have been even more extensively used than heretofore. In this respect, special mention might be made of the central nervous system and the section on the muscles. In the section on syndesmology, six illustrations are used from Quain's Anatomy through the courtesy of the publishers, Messrs. Longman's Green & Company of London. The use of the BNA nomenclature in English has been retained practically unchanged in this edition, and important references to the literature have been added at the end of each section. As a practical work on the subject for the student, Gray's Anatomy has always been recognized and appreciated. The plan originally formulated, which has proved so successful, has been adhered to as much as possible. It is interesting to note that although Henry Gray saw only the first edition, much of the original text persists, and many of his illustrations are still in use. Bearing this in mind, it has been the endeavor of the editor to supply only such changes as advances in the science made necessary, in order that this work may reflect the latest accessions to anatomical knowledge. W. H. L. Baltimore, 1918 Introduction The term human anatomy comprises a consideration of the various structures which make up the human organism. In a restricted sense, it deals merely with the parts which form the fully developed individual, and which can be rendered evident to the naked eye by various methods of dissection. Regarded from such a standpoint, it may be studied by two methods. One, the various structures may be separately considered, systematic anatomy. Or, two, the organs and tissues may be studied in relation to one another, topographical or regional anatomy. It is, however, of much advantage to add to the facts ascertained by naked-eye dissection those obtained by the use of the microscope. This introduces two fields of investigation, that is, the study of the minute structure of the various component parts of the body, histology, and the study of the human organism in its immature condition, that is, the various stages of its intrauterine development from the fertilized ovum up to the period when it assumes an independent existence, embryology. 
Owing to the difficulty of obtaining material illustrating all the stages of this early development, gaps must be filled up by observations on the development of lower forms, comparative embryology, or by consideration of adult forms in the line of human ancestry, comparative anatomy. The direct application of the facts of human anatomy to the various pathological conditions which may occur constitutes the subject of applied anatomy. Finally, the appreciation of structures on or immediately underlying the surface of the body is frequently made the subject of special study, surface anatomy. Systematic anatomy. The various systems of which the human body is composed are grouped under the following headings. Osteology the bony system or skeleton. Syndesmology, the articulations or joints. Myology, the muscles. With the description of the muscles, it is convenient to include that of the fascia, which are so intimately connected with them. Angiology, the vascular system, comprising the heart, blood vessels, lymphatic vessels, and lymph glands. Neurology, the nervous system. The organs of sense may be included in this system. Splanchnology, the visceral system. Topographically, the viscera form two groups, that is, the thoracic viscera and the abdomino-pelvic viscera. The heart, a thoracic viscous, is best considered with the vascular system. The rest of the viscera may be grouped according to their functions. A. The respiratory apparatus. B. The digestive apparatus. And C. The urogenital apparatus. Strictly speaking, the third subgroup should include only such components of the urogenital apparatus as are included within the abdomino-pelvic cavity, but it is convenient to study, under this heading, certain parts which lie in relation to the surface of the body, that is, the testes and the external organs of generation. For descriptive purposes, the body is supposed to be in the erect posture, with the arms hanging by the sides and the palms of the hands directed forward. The median plane is a vertical anteroposterior plane passing through the center of the trunk. This plane will pass approximately through the sagittal suture of the skull, and hence any plane parallel to it is termed a sagittal plane. A vertical plane at right angles to the median plane passes, roughly speaking, through the central part of the coronal suture, or through a line parallel to it. Such a plane is known as a frontal plane, or sometimes as a coronal plane. A plane at right angles to both the median and frontal planes is termed a transverse plane. The terms anterior or ventral and posterior or dorsal are employed to indicate the relation of parts to the front or back of the body or limbs, and the terms superior or cephalic and inferior or caudal to indicate the relative levels of different structures. Structures nearer to or farther from the median plane are referred to as medial or lateral, respectively. The terms superficial and deep are strictly confined to descriptions of the relative depth from the surface of the various structures. External and internal are reserved almost entirely for describing the walls of cavities or of hollow viscera. In the case of the limbs, the words proximal and distal refer to the relative distance from the attached end of the limb. End of section zero.